this. John chapter 6 and verse 1. And the Bible says, After these things Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were dis- diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. I love that. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are these, or what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men set down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. What a great story and what a great uh, thought that we can think about this morning. I don't want to speak on this subject in the midst of a miracle. In the midst of a miracle. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for our time together today and thank you for the music already and how it's uh, been a blessing. And, and I thank you just for the worship that we've been able to uh, give to you. And I pray now that you would help us as your people, to focus now on what you've given us and the message that's at hand. And God, I thank you that you are far greater than we can really even imagine or think. And you can do far more than we ever even ask. God, I pray that today through the message that we would be reminded of some truths that will help us to trust in you and to lean on you. I pray that you would use me as your vessel, that you would cleanse me of sin, that you would empty me of self, and that you would fill me with your spirit. Help me to be a blessing this morning. We love you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A young preacher got up to preach his first sermon. He was very nervous, and he introduced it saying, I'm going to talk about the miracle of how Jesus fed five men with 5,000 loaves of bread and 2,000 fish. A man in the church loved to intimidate preachers, especially young and inexperienced ones. Immediately, he jumped up and said, Great day, that's no miracle. Why, I could do that. The young preacher was so flustered he couldn't continue the sermon. He left the pulpit and closed the service. The next Sunday, he started over with the same text. This time he announced it correctly. I want to talk to you today about 
about how Jesus fed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. He looked down at the critical church member. I guess you could do that too. The man replied, of course, I could do that easy. Puzzled and frustrated, the preacher frowned and asked, how? The man looked up at him, grinned and said, I just used what we had left over from last Sunday. (laughs) And uh, we know the story as the feeding of the 5,000. And what an amazing story it is. But can I tell you, it's not just a story. It's truth. It's a true story. It's a story that really we can learn some great truths from. In fact, it's the only miracle before the resurrection mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And I think that if God had had to put this miracle in our Bibles four separate times, there was probably something he wanted us to get from it. Am I right? And so it must be important. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 besides women and children. You think about this, how great of a crowd this must have been. And and the Bible tells us there was 5,000 men, not including women and children. Of course, we do know that there was some children there, at least one, because we know of this young boy that gave his lunch. And I want to look at this story this morning, and I, I really think that looking at it this way, there's, there's some, some characters that we'll find in the story that maybe we can relate with. And sometimes, as I read the Bible, I like to look at it from a perspective of, how can I relate to this? How does this fit to my life? And I think it's so important that when we read our Bibles, we're not just reading it for, for a time slot or maybe even just for information, but we're using it for application. Uh, because if, if we do not at some point in our Christian life, discover that the Bible applies to our lives, guess what? The Bible doesn't really do anything for us. So the Bible can do work. The Bible can change lives. But if you don't apply it to your life, it doesn't do anything. For instance, salvation. If you don't apply the truths of salvation to your life and accept them, then you can never be saved. So it doesn't do you any good. But if you take the the, the thought that Jesus came and died for you and, and, and paid your sins, and you accept that, you apply it, to your lives, guess what? It does a whole lot of good for you, am I right? And so th- this, this truth that, that of salvation is something that we apply to our lives, but every other truth that's found in Scripture, we can apply to our lives in some way. And so I want to look at some characters from this Bible, uh, from this passage in the Bible that I think will be helping us, and we're going to look at four different people that were in the midst of a miracle. Four different people in this story that were in the midst of, of a miracle. And I asked a few people if they would help me this morning, and, and they said they would, so uh, I'm going to get some help. And I have uh, some cards to represent maybe uh, the characters that we have, but the first person that we're going to look at, if you're taking notes, is Philip. Philip. And we find Philip first in this passage, and if you would, look at um, verse number 5. It says, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto him, uh, unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him or to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. 
So Jesus asks a question. There's all these people. Obviously, we're given a number later on. 5,000 men and women and children. There's a lot of people that are, that are there to hear Jesus speak. But guess what happens? Everybody starts, starts, starts getting hungry. They, they need some food. And there's not a Taco Bell down the street. There's not a McDonald's. There's, there's nothing close by. So they, they need to figure something out. Otherwise, they're going to have to close the service for the day and, and, and come back another day. But the people didn't want to leave, but they were hungry. Um, and so Jesus goes to Philip and says, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? He said, What are we going to do? We need to get some food for these people. And so Philip answered in verse 7, Jesus, 200 pennies worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. So Jesus was testing Philip. Jesus gives Philip a test and he asks him a question. But Philip failed the test. Philip fails the test. Jesus gave him a math problem and he answered the problem wrong. So Jesus asked him, how are we going to buy bread? How are we going to get food for these people? And Philip comes with a response. He gives some facts. In fact, he gives us how much money it would cost to even get a little bit of food, to even give someone a bite of food, right? So he says, 200 pennies worth. Now, that is not pennies like we would see today, little Abe Lincolns on a coin, but this is, the, the Greek word for penny is denarius, and one denarius was a day's wages for an average worker, a day's wages. So he's saying that 200 denarii would represent about seven months of working. So one, per, one person working seven months would not even give just a little bit, maybe even a bite of, of, of a piece of bread for all of these people. That's what Philip is saying. He's looking at it from just being a realist. I mean, he's just giving some facts. He's just being real about that. And isn't it funny that Philip thought he was smarter than Jesus? I mean, Philip really thought that he was going to outsmart Jesus by just throwing out some facts. Like, Jesus, do you know that it's going to cost you know, 200 pennies worth, 200 days wages just to get these people a bite to eat? And like, did Jesus really have to ask Philip how they were going to feed 5,000 people? No. Jesus didn't have to ask Philip that. But Philip starts giving out some facts. And basically, Philip is saying, Jesus, the question you are proposing is impossible. The question that you're proposing is impossible. There is no way we can buy enough food to feed this many people. Okay? So the first person is Philip. Who wants to help me first? I asked a few people if they would help me. Anybody want to help me first? Okay? Come on up. All right, so you're going to represent Philip. And Philip is the realist. I'll let you stand over here. Philip is the realist. He's the fact-giving Okay, so Philip is just, he's just being real. He's just like maybe how we we would think about the situation. He's just being real about the situation. He's giving the facts. Jesus, you realize this is what it would take to feed this many people. It's not going to happen. There's no way, right? So he's just being real about the situation. You could stand right there. And so that's Philip. Philip is saying, 
Jesus, the question that you're giving to us is impossible. There's no way that could happen. I remember my, my senior year of college, um, I was trying to figure out things for my life, and it was really just uh, a stressful time and uh, really difficult. And I was helping with the dorm uh, as a dorm supervisor and, and preaching in the dorm and making sure guys were uh, keeping the rooms clean and writing demerits and doing all that kind of fun stuff and uh, disciplining and stuff like that. And so enjoying that, but then... Um, at the same time, I was, uh, you know, taking classes, and I was uh, struggling financially, and I knew on paper that there was no way I was going to be able to afford or pay for my school bill. I knew there was no way, um, and I didn't, didn't see how it was going to work out. Plus, I was single and frustrated about relationships, just kind of uh, upset and maybe even a little bitter about just the situation that I was in. But you know, God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing the entire time. And although I didn't understand it, although I didn't, I didn't know what was happening, as I looked at my situation, and this is exactly what Philip did, I said, God, there is no way, looking at all of the circumstances, that everything will work out the way it should. There's no way that, looking at my finances, that there's there's going to be a possibility that I'll be able to come back next semester for school because I just don't have the money. There's no way that, that I'm going to be able to ever serve in ministry because I, I just don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm able to do it. It just doesn't work on paper the way that I would like it to work out. Isn't that so many times what happens in our lives where we look at our circumstances, we look at maybe our bills and we look at how much we're making or we look at different situations and we think, how in the world is this going to happen? I mean, we're just real about it, right? We just, we just look at it and we just think, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, I have this and I have this going on and there's just no way that's all going to work out. There's no way. And so that's exactly what Philip is doing. But the crazy thing is, 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 is right before this verse, of course, this was written after, but it said that Jesus was testing Philip because he knew what he already was going to do. Jesus already knew that he was going to feed 5,000 with two fishes, or, or two small fishes and five loaves of bread. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But Philip didn't know that. Philip didn't know what he was going to do. Philip didn't know how he was going to do it. Philip just looked at the facts and said, there is no way that Jesus can do this. And many times we look at all the details of our life and maybe they don't add up. But you know what's crazy? When all of the details and all the facts don't add up, that's when Jesus shines through the most. That's when God can show his power the most. When, it doesn't, when we look at our situation and it doesn't work the way we think it should work out, and it doesn't look like it'll ever work out, that's when God is shown the most. You say, my family is a mess, and there's no hope. Yes, there is. You say, we have no money and the bills are coming in. There's no hope. Yes, there is. You say, I'm struggling with this sin and I just keep doing it and there is no hope. Yes, there is. Because listen, God knows what He's doing. God knows what He's going to do. And it's not a matter of us trying to figure it out. It's us just trusting that the Lord can do it. That the Lord can do it. 
You know what, being a Christian is, is, is difficult sometimes in this regard because sometimes it's easy to be a realist. It's easy to be a fact giver and say, God, there's no way that this is going to work because I already see what's here. I already see how everything is. So how is God going to do anything? You know what, in Philip's eyes, there was no way that God could do this. There was no way that Jesus could make a miracle like this. But yet, Jesus knew what he was going to do the entire time. And can I remind you, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what thing you're facing right now, no matter what you think is impossible, God already knows that he can do it. God already knows. And Stop trying to solve your problems with your math and look to Jesus. Stop trying to solve everything the way that you think it should be done and think, well, let's do this, or maybe it, it, you know, it's not going to work out because I've already laid it out on paper. Listen, if you lay it out on paper and it doesn't work out, maybe it's time to go to God. Maybe it's time to go to God. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's so crazy sometimes that we, we try to figure everything out and then we realize, wow, there's no way. So we give up hope. We give up any hope that it's ever going to happen. Forgetting that the entire time God knows what He's doing in the first place. God knows that He can restore that family again. God knows that He can help you with that sin that you're struggling with. God knows what He's doing. And so listen, don't get in the point where you think, well, I've looked at the facts, so God can't do it. Because that's when He can. And that's when God shines through the most. So we see Philip in the story. He's a fact giver. He's a realist. And I think there's many of us like that this morning. Where we look at all the facts and it doesn't lay out. And so we give up. We give up hope. But the second person I see in this passage is Andrew. Andrew. In verse number 8, we find Andrew in the story. It says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two fishes, two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Now, let's be honest. If we were one of the disciples and we heard Andrew's idea, we would laugh. So let's, let's think about this situation, okay? Look right up here, okay? So Andrew, Philip already give, gives his facts that there's not enough money, there's no way we're going to have enough money to be able to do this. And then Andrew comes up with this great idea that he finds this little boy with a lunch that has five barley loaves and two small fishes. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a barley loaf before, and I tried to see if I could find one, but, you know, I don't eat stuff like that, so no thanks. But really, the barley loaves, I looked and and saw pictures, they're really about like the size of a donut. They're they're about that small. And, um, of course, when it says small fishes, I can't tell you exactly what kind of fish it was, but they were small fishes. So this little boy has his lunch, and think about this. We're talking about 5,000 men plus women and children that we need to feed. That's how many people need to be fed, right? And so there's, there's a situation at hand, there's this problem that's going on that they're facing, and Andrew finds this little boy with his lunch. And he brings the little boy to Jesus, I don't know if he you know, snatched the little kid's lunch or, you know, brought the little boy to Jesus. But, but he brings this little boy to Jesus and says, here's this lad, here's this little boy, and he has five barley loaves and two small fishes. He has his lunch. 
and he, and he brings it to Jesus. Now, you think about how crazy that even sounds. Like, what in the world is that going to do? And I'm sure even the disciples maybe were thinking, like, okay, Andrew, what is that for? You know, what, we can pass around a little piece of bread and everyone can take a bite and maybe we can feed like 100 people? Yeah, good, good idea, Andrew. But then Andrew even thinks about his idea. What does he say after he presents his idea to Jesus? What are these among so many? He says, but what is this really going to do? I mean, what, what, what good does this really do? I, I have this idea, Jesus. I mean, I found this little boy with a lunch, but what is this really, how is this really going to make a difference? How is this really going to make an impact? So we see, first we see Philip, but then we see Andrew. Who wants to help me next here? Andrew. Marie? Okay. So Andrew, kind of similar to what Philip is doing, but he goes maybe a little bit further And Andrew, you can stand there in the middle, Marie. Andrew is solution finding. He's trying to find a solution, but he's a doubter. So he he thinks of this maybe possibly a solution to the problem, but then he doubts his own solution that he gives. So he says, Jesus, here's this lad. He has a small, he has this little lunch, and uh, but this really isn't a big deal because what is this going to do for all these people? So He's a, Philip is a realist over here. He looks at the facts and says, there's no way, right? It's not going to happen. And then Andrew over here, he's trying to find a solution. He finally finds this little boy with a lunch and says, here you go, Jesus. Here's a little boy with his lunch, but what is this really going to do? So he even doubts his own idea. And it's, it's, it's funny because, you know, I look at this and think, maybe the reason why Andrew didn't really believe that this could happen was because everyone around looked at the situation and thought, do you understand what situation that we're facing right now? How is that going to do anything? Maybe they even laughed at him. What is five barley loaves and two fishes really going to do for all these people? And now we all know what could be done with that, but Andrew didn't. We all know that Jesus used this little boy's lunch, but Andrew didn't know what Jesus could do with this lunch. And maybe he was thinking we could pass around the lunch and everyone could take a little bite and then take a little small piece of the fish until we run out. And then we're done. That's all we got. I really don't think Andrew really knew what Jesus could do with the lunch. I really don't think Andrew knew what Jesus could do with this little boy's lunch. I mean, he had never seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch before. So did, did, I just don't, I really don't believe that Andrew knew exactly what Jesus would do. And how many times in our lives do we think, well, I could settle for this. It's not what I want, it's not really the greatest, but it's all I have. Doubting that God could do something better. And so, when I look at this situation that, that Andrew comes up to, he gives an idea, but he doesn't really believe in his idea. But his idea really is we can kind of pass around this little boy's lunch and see what impact we can make. I don't think Andrew was presenting the idea, hey, Jesus, can you take this lunch and feed everybody with it and, and make them all filled and then have leftovers? No, I don't think that's what he was thinking. But he did come to the realization that, you know what, maybe we can make a small impact by just passing this lunch around, by just giving everyone a bite. But he doubted the significance 
of what his plan was. Can I say this, that many times as Christians we settle for God's best by presenting just the bare minimum? We settle for God's best by presenting the bare minimum, doubting that God could do something better. Now, I don't know what other ideas there must have been out there. I mean, I'm sure some of the disciples had some other ideas, but the best idea Andrew could come up with was, hey, we have this little boy's lunch, and let's just, let's just do something with this, right? And it's amazing that so many Christians settle for very little, doubting that God could do something better. Settle for very little, doubting that God could do something better. Many times this happens in relationships. Settling for someone. Can I say this? Don't settle. Seek God's best. Seek God's best. And I, I, I'll just be completely honest with you this morning. I'm, I'm so thankful, looking back now, that I didn't settle for, for someone that wasn't right for me and, and not the person that God had for me. But I waited for the person that God, was, what, that God had ready for me. And listen, God can do far greater than you can do in yourself. God can do way more than what you think you can do yourself. And we do this with our prayers. We settle that God isn't going to answer, so we give up. Well, God never answered that prayer, so I guess He's not going to. So we just settle. We, we, we become okay with that. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on prayer. I don't know what it is that you're praying for, but don't give up. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's their salvation. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know, but don't give up. Don't settle. And don't doubt that God can do something great. But really what relates me with Andrew is the doubting that God could really do something with so little. Doubting that God could do something with so little. And that brings us to the next person. The little boy. The young lad. Number three. The young lad. Okay, so let's look at the story if you would. In verse number, verse number nine, we see Andrew brings this little boy, to Jesus, and he says, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Two small fishes. Now, who wants to do this? Marco, come on up. Okay. Let Marco be this young boy. Now, the thing about this young boy, I'll give it to you in a second. Um, He didn't have a whole lot. All he had was his lunch. That was it. And I don't think he knew that day what God was going to do with his lunch. (laughs) I don't think that when that little boy showed up to hear Jesus speak, that he knew the significance of that. But yet, Jesus knew what he would do. But you know what's so significant about this little boy? It's not him. It's not even his lunch but it's his willingness to give it. That's what I see about this young boy. He was willing. And he gave what he had. He gave what he had. Now, he didn't have a whole lot. 
All we had was five barley loaves and two small fishes, but yet, somehow, he decided, I'm going to give this to Jesus. I'm going to give my lunch to Jesus. But it wasn't much. In fact, in, in comparison to the situation, it really meant absolutely nothing. Five small barley loaves and two fishes compared to 5,000 men plus women and children really had no significance at all. But you know what? God can take the most insignificant people and the most insignificant circumstances and make them significant through His power. And that's the great thing about what He does. Is it's not about who or what he uses, it's just a matter of if we're willing to give it. If we're willing to. You see, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. You say, God can use me? Yeah, he can use you. God used Moses, a stuttering man, to lead his people. God used David, a shepherd boy, to kill a giant and be a king. God used Esther, a young girl, to spare a nation. God used Peter, a fisherman, to preach to to 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. And God used a young boy and his lunch to feed 5,000 men and women and children. God can use anyone. Let me give you a few things about how God uses people. Number one, God uses insignificant people. God uses insignificant people. You say, Pastor, I'm not very important. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to offer. I mean, I'm not very talented. I'm not the, I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the best, uh, I don't have the best personality. I don't have a whole lot to offer God. Well, guess what? This little boy didn't have a whole lot to offer Jesus either. But you know what he did? He gave what he had. He gave what he had. All he had was a lunch. And he said, it's yours. You can do what you want with it. He was very insignificant, but yet God said, you know what? I can take that young boy and make this significant through me. And God likes using insignificant people because when he uses insignificant people, he can be shown. You know, there's nothing really great when God uses, I mean, not saying that God can't use someone that's talented and someone that does well with things, but I am saying this, that whenever someone thinks it's all them and not God, then God doesn't get the glory for it. So many times God likes to use people that people would never expect because then they realize, wow, look what God's doing. Look what God is doing, right? And so, God uses insignificant people. Number two, God can use what we are willing to give. God can use what we are willing to give. My question to you is, what are you willing to give to Him? What are you willing to give to Him? Maybe it's your life. You say, God, you have my life. You can do what you want to with it. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. I'm dedicating my life to you. It's yours. And you know what? Whenever we allow God to have our lives and to do what He wants to with our lives, 
God can do some great things. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's the thing that you desire. You give Him your desires. You give Him the desires of your heart. Maybe it's your thoughts. Maybe it's your words. Maybe it's even your giving or your love. But the the question is, will you allow Him to use what you have? You say it's not a lot. That's exactly my point. I'm saying, what do you have that you can give? Your life? Your heart? Your love? I don't know. But this young boy was willing to give what he had. And then number three, God uses us so He can be glorified. God uses us so He can be glorified. And sometimes we get this messed up because the fact is that God does not use us so that we can get the glory. Oh, wow, did you see what so-and-so did? Or, oh, wow, did you see what they did the other day? Or, wow, this is amazing. Look how amazing they are. That's not why God uses us. God uses us so that he can get the glory. And listen, this little boy did not get the glory. He did not get lifted up and saying, wow, look at you know, how you fed all these people. Because God does not use a bunch of food to feed these people. He used a small little lunch. There was no significance into this little boy's lunch other than the fact that he was willing to give it. He was willing to give it. So God said, because he's willing to give it, I'm willing to do some great things with it. I'm willing to do great things with it. And why? So that God would get the glory. And when God uses you, don't forget to give him the glory. When God allows you to do something, when God allows you to go somewhere, when God allows you to speak to someone, when God allows you to share the gospel, when God allows you to to experience blessing, don't forget to give Him the glory. Because God will use you if you make yourself available, but it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about bringing God glory. And I believe that because this boy was willing to give what he had, he was able to see God get the glory. He was able to see him get the glory. Then there's one last person in this story, and really the most significant person in this story, and that's Jesus. Number four, Jesus. Who wants to represent Jesus this morning? (laughs) Anybody want to help me? Anybody? Okay, back in the back. Jesus. And Jesus is the miracle worker. He does the impossible. And it's incredible. When we get away from fact giving, (laughs) telling God how it's not possible, and then seeking our own solution and doubting that our solution will even work, but getting to the point where we're willing to give what we have to God and say, God, whatever you want, it's yours. That Jesus does the impossible. That Jesus begins to work. And it's amazing to see it. But listen, if we never get to this point where the young boy was, we never get to see God do his work. Because God uses us. He doesn't have to use us, but he wants to use us. And the fact is, He will use you if you're willing to give what you have. He will. 
And Jesus will do the impossible. He is a miracle worker. And it's amazing to see God work in our lives. It's amazing to see God begin to change lives. And listen, if you, if you say, well, Pastor, I've never seen a miracle before. I've never seen God do something great before. Can I remind you this morning that Jesus came and he died for you and gave you life in heaven? That's a miracle this morning. The fact that we are all sinners, we're all on our way to hell, but yet Jesus came down, died on the cross for us, and gave us the chance of eternal life and said, listen, if you'll come to me, I'll receive you and I'll allow you to be my son and allow you to go to heaven and live with me forever. That is a miracle that that's happened. That's a miracle. The fact that he saved you, the fact that he saved me, the fact that I was a sinner, I was lost in sin, but Jesus came and rescued me. He rescued me. And he took my place on the cross. He took my sin. He took my shame. He took every wrong deed that I'd ever do and said, I'm going to take it. If you'll receive me, then you can have eternal life in heaven. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And it's a miracle that not only he saves us, but he keeps us. The fact that, okay, he says... You, you can be saved if you accept me, but yet we still sin, we still mess up, we still fail God, and God says, you're still mine. You're still mine. In fact, he says, no man shall pluck thee out of my Father's hand. He says, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God. Aren't you glad that nothing separates us from the love of God? God's not, love never runs out. God's love never goes away. God's, never lo- God's love never stops. It's never over. It's always constant. Why? Because He keeps us. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I've seen God provide over and over and over again. And sometimes we maybe look at God just putting food on our table or putting a roof over our head or putting clothes on our back as really insignificant. But can I tell you, that's, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I'm thankful for that. But you know what? Jesus wants to do in your life impossible things. He wants to do things that you can't even really imagine or even think about. The Bible says his thoughts are not your thoughts and his ways are not your ways. For his thoughts are higher than your thoughts and his ways are higher than your ways, saith the Lord. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What is he saying? I can do far greater than what you think I can do. Jesus, the miracle worker. Let's look at the story, if we would, in John chapter 6. One more time, John chapter 6. And verse number 10. Look at it, if you would. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks. He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as 
they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen this miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that the prophet that should come into the world. What an amazing story. That Jesus was able to do an amazing work. But you know what? It, 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 it gets me every time when I, when I read this story. Is the fact that Jesus didn't just give enough. He gave more than enough. I mean, they were, they were all full. Everyone, at the, everyone there at that meeting was full. They had plenty to eat. I mean, have you ever been to the point where you're like so full where you can't even look at food anymore because you're just like, oh, like I'm just stuffed, right? Thanksgiving or whatever. And you're just like, I can't eat anything. All of these people, over 5,000 people, men, women, and children, they're all stuffed. It says they couldn't even eat anymore. And Jesus took a little boy's lunch with five loaves and two small fishes and made all of those people completely satisfied and completely full. And then there were 12 baskets full left over. I mean, Jesus, he made enough to have leftovers. What an amazing story. I can imagine, like, how did this little boy take home his lunch? <laughs> he comes home, and he's got all these baskets, and he knocks on the door, and his mom opens the door, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Where did you get all of that? He's like, this is what you gave me. And Jesus did all of this with my lunch. You know, it's crazy. You should have seen it. And what an amazing story. And what an amazing thing that this young boy got to see. He got to see God work. Why? Because he was willing to give what he had. He was willing to give what he had. And Jesus did the impossible. He did the impossible. In fact, he did over and abundant more than what he needed to do. He did more. And that's exactly what he'll do in your life. When God works, many times he doesn't just do it exactly what we need. He does above what we need. And if we be honest this morning, we have more than we deserve. We have way more than we deserve. We have way more food than we deserve. <laughs> we have way more things than we deserve. And, and we are blessed far greater than we, we deserve. And God continues to do the impossible. God continues to work. God continues to bless. And as we see God bless, let's not forget to give Him the glory. I love this. It said, there is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born of our salvation, Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that forever reigns. There is freedom from the chains that bind us, Jesus. Who walks on the waters, who speaks to the sea, who stands in the fire beside me. He roars like a lion. He bled as a lamb. He carries my healing in His hands. Jesus. There is a name I call in times of trouble. There is a song that comforts in the night. There is a voice that calms the storm that rages. He is Jesus. There is no one like Him. 
there is no one like him. Because Jesus does the impossible. He takes something that is so small and makes it great. We're reminded of a song this morning that we sing, Little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. And Jesus didn't have to use the little boy's lunch to do a miracle. And Jesus doesn't have to, doesn't have to use us, but he wants to. And I love that. The fact that God wants to use us. The fact that God wants to use every single one of us, no matter how young we are and no matter how old we are, God wants to still use us. But if the boy had not been willing to give his lunch, he never could have seen God do such a great miracle with him. Think about that. If the boy was not willing to give his lunch, he could have never seen God do with his lunch what he did. And if we're never willing to give our lives to Him, we're never willing to give what we have to Him, we'll never be able to see God do the impossible with what He can. We'll never be able to see God do great miracles in our lives until that point. One word, and the walls start falling. One word, and the blind will see. One word, and the sinner's forgiven. Because He does impossible things. One word and the walls start falling. One word and the blind will see. One word and the sinner's forgiven. Because he does impossible things. There is no healer like the Lord our Maker. There is no equal to the King of Kings. Our God is with us. We will fear no evil. Because he does impossible things. You do more than I could ask or even imagine. You are more than I could ask. You're more than enough. You heal the brokenhearted. You set the captive free. You lift the heavy burden. And even now, you are lifting me. Because you do impossible things. And it's amazing to see God do impossible things. Things that we would never think would happen. Things that when we look on paper, they don't work out. Things that we begin to doubt. But when we're willing to give what we have, we can see God begin to work. So can I say to you this morning, trust that God knows what He's doing. And just be willing to give Him what you have. And you'll begin to see God work in greater ways than you'll ever imagine. And what a blessing it will be. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Heads bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you. You guys can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you. I don't know where it was this morning that God spoke to your heart. Maybe you said, I, I feel like I'm like Philip, where I just kind of look at my situation and say, well, this isn't going to work out. So, oh, well. Or maybe even like Andrew, where you really doubt that God could even do anything. Maybe you feel insignificant, like you're, what you have really couldn't mean a whole lot for God. But can I remind you that God can do great things when we're willing to give what we have. I don't know what it is this morning.
Maybe God touched on your heart about something. Maybe it's your service. Maybe it's just dedicating your life to the Lord and saying, God, my life is yours. I want to do what you want. I don't know. But you know, those people never would have saw such a great miracle had there not been someone willing to give. Had there not been someone willing to just do what they could with what they had. And what an amazing thing it would be as a church if each of us decided, you know what? I don't really think that I could really make a whole lot of difference or make a huge impact. But I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do my part. And I'm going to let God do the rest. And it would be amazing to see what God will begin to do in our church and in your own life when you realize it's not about me. It's about what God can do. And God still has the same power that he had at this very moment when he fed 5,000 people. He still has the same power today that he had when he healed lepers and when he healed the blind. He still has that same power. And he can do in your life what you think is impossible if you would just give yourself to him. He can do it. He can heal that family. He can uh, mend that relationship. He can help you with that sin that you're struggling with. He can deliver you from anything if you're willing to trust Him and lean on Him. As the music begins to play, wherever God spoke to your heart this morning, would you take a moment, talk to God? Maybe it's here at the altar and just get down on your knees and ask God to forgive you or maybe it's a sin that you've been struggling with that you want to give to God. I don't know what it is, but God can do great things no matter how young.